be driven by by, by passion and also uh, to make a difference, change somebody's life. That is a very important. Uh, uh, that is a very important drive because working in development sector can also be be challenging. But if you're driven by by passion, then um, that helps you overcome some of the things that you encounter and demotivate you or bring you down as a, as an individual. Hi, and welcome to a special episode of the Women in Foreign Policy podcast. My name is Ashley and I'm one of your hosts. Today we'll be bringing you an interview by my co-host Annika with Fidelis Moya, Director of Programs at Refugee, an organization working to holistically address the needs of refugee women and children. In case you missed our last episode, I recently finished my Master's in International Relations at King's College London and I now work in Washington, D.C. Annika is working at a nuclear non-proliferation foundation here in D.C. before heading to Geneva, Switzerland to do her master's in international affairs. We are your Women in Foreign Policy podcast production team, and we're really excited to bring you this episode today. Unlike our standard once-a-month episode, this is a more or less unedited recording of Annika's conversation with Fidelis about her work with Refugee, her career path, and her advice for young women who hope to work in the same field. It's a great interview, and I really think you're going to enjoy it. My name is uh, Fidelis uh, Moya, and uh, my title uh, is the Director of uh, Programs, and I work for uh, Refugee. Amazing. Can you tell me a bit more about Refugee? Um, for listeners who might not be familiar, uh, what is the mission and the vision of the organization, and, and what do you do there? Refugee is an international um, organization, charitable organization, of course, uh, registered in the U.S., and also registered here in Kenya. I'm speaking from Kenya now as a, as a national organization. And uh, in refugee, we basically um, identify, protect, and empower young refugee uh, women and their children from different parts of, um, of, of Africa. We empower them in terms of uh, providing them with education, uh, basic literacy um, to levels where they are able to sit for national exams that are administered here in Kenya. And we are also uh, giving them a secondary education, uh, which is also administered um, here in Kenya. Besides that, we have um, an economic empowerment initiative where the young uh, refugee uh, girls uh, work together in a group to to make um, a textile uh, uh, products and uh, that artisan group is called uh, the Artisan uh, Co- Collective. We run uh, different initiatives. We have a shelf, safe shelter for the girls, uh, and especially so those who are under high protection um, uh, cases. So we have a self shelter where they they live in a home environment and they are able to be provided uh, for. Uh, different services. We also provide case management services to these young refugee women, uh, such as um, uh, counseling, provision of medical care and support. We also support them uh, through uh, documentation in terms of uh, them getting um, legal documentation to enable them to live in the country uh, safe as as refugees. In addition to that, we are also uh, supporting their children to uh, to get legal documentation in terms of um, in terms of uh, uh, birth 
certificate. So we have um, uh, di different programs that we, we are running in, um, in, in refugees, uh, which we refer to as a holistic model uh, to make uh, this young woman uh, whole again, because um, we realize that uh, refugees turn, uh, get that status of refugees as a result of uh, displacement from their home countries. So they come to countries like ours, that is Kenya, uh, to seek asylum, to seek uh, refuge, but still at the end of the day, they have their, their, their human rights that have to be uh, protected and also also we have to ensure that our organizations in Kenya are able to provide uh, support and uh, different aid that uh, would enable uh, the young women who have come from different parts of the of, of Africa that um, have faced war for a long long time live here and feel that they are safe uh, they are able to build their resilience and they can also they are also able to look uh, forward to a better future so in a nutshell that is um, uh, what a refugee uh, stands for wow it's such a comprehensive approach you know it's it's truly across so many different pillars and it's not I feel like I hear more frequently about programs in health or programs in education uh, that are kind of more siloed and so it's really inspiring and refreshing to hear about a holistic approach as you mentioned um, so where where specifically are most of these um, young women coming from uh, these young women are coming from um, uh, South Sudan. Those who follow um, the history of Africa, we know that um, Sudan has been an unstable country for a while. Others are as does come from uh, uh, Somalia. We know the instability that is in um, uh, Somalia. We have uh, others drawn who have flown from the Democratic Republic of Congo. And uh, others come from uh, Burundi. We also have others um, uh, come from uh, Rwanda, but Rwanda is a uh, is is now stable. Uh, so we we don't have a majority of them from uh, of from Rwanda, but we've served um, uh, young refugees from Rwanda. So and also from uh, countries like Ethiopia. So. Uh, these girls come from uh, uh, those countries. Of course, they find their ways uh, to Kenya uh, through um, our borders. Wow, that's incredible. Um, so what specifically do you do um, at Refugee? What is your role? Um, I joined Refugee in uh, September 2013 as a, a finance manager, and I've grown with the organization to the level where it is now. I joined as a finance manager, then I was promoted to the position of uh, director of financial operations. And uh, uh, early this year, because I want to expound my, uh, my, my portfolio, I've also been given an opportunity to serve the organization as the director uh, of programs. Mainly, uh, refugees operations are in Kenya and I've supported all along. I've worked as the director of financial operations uh, looking at um, uh, strengthening internal controls because accountability in our sector is very, very important. Donors are giving us funds and we must invest those funds in the best way uh, possible. And as a finance uh, director, 
director, it has been my role to set strong controls, uh, to ensure that um, there are high levels of accountability, to ensure that um, uh, donor reports are filed on time, uh, to ensure that um, if the, the organization is being audited, then I'm, I'm, I'm on the front line to ensure that external audits um, are successful, to ensure any uh, project audits are also uh, successful. And I'm very proud of what I've done all the years because um, I've seen uh, the organization grow its budget over four times. A better part of my, my working in the in refugee has been as the, as the director of financial operations, but I'm transitioning to a new role that I'm really, really happy and excited about. Congratulations. That's really Thank exciting. You. Thank you. Um, do you have a, did you have a background in finance? Um, how did you come into that role? And I guess what, what also drew you to the field of working with refugees more broadly? I'm actually a trained accountant. I'm um, a CPA uh, certified by uh, the Institute of Certified Public Accountants uh, of Kenya. That is the um, the regulatory body uh, for accountants uh, in Kenya. So I'm an accountant uh, by profession. I hold a Master of Business Administration in Finance, and I also hold a Bachelor of commerce in in accounting got it okay so what about um what drew you to the field uh, or what drew you to working with refugees what actually uh, drew me uh, to working with refugees probably i can just give you a quick background about um, my training from early stages i got interested in the not-for-profit accounting and uh, it's very very interesting i have um over 27 years of experience as an accountant and all along um, my career path has, has been with the with the not for profit um, with the not for the profit organizations because they are driven by a mission they are driven by a vision and they are driven uh, by uh, just solving people's uh, problems but i worked with one very special organization called uh, SOS uh, Children's Villages. Of course, SOS is an international organization, and this is where I was able to interact with the youth. I was able to interact with the children, and it's very, very exciting when you're when you're working with the youth because they really challenge you, and um, uh, they give you different challenges because they have always uh, these uh, different ideas. Some of them may be may be far fetched, so they keep ch challenging your mind. So. Um, uh, with the experience that I had in SOS, of course, um, uh, there was this opportunity that I saw in uh, refugee, which besides the working itself and working with the youth, I have uh, this uh, uh, passion for empowering uh, women. Even when I go to the market, not that um, I'm biased or anything, I'm usually driven to, to trade with, with women because I believe in what uh, we are told or the school of thought that um, you empower a woman, you empower a community. So I have that uh, that interest on, of ensuring that um, a woman's life is uh, changed, a woman's life is empowered. And um, joining refugee actually um, uh, was not was the right choice for me and I, I feel I'm, I'm satisfied I'm, and I'm fulfilled uh, working with the with refugees and as refugee and especially so 
with the young women and uh, children the organization is serving. I can totally relate to that. When I was growing up, it was always not, will I work for a nonprofit, but which nonprofit will I work for? <laughs> so I totally understand that. And I've also heard heard the same and really agree that when we when we empower one woman or when we invest in one woman, you're not just investing in one person because we know that women then turn around and invest in and empower their own communities. I mean, it's yeah. it's really an incredible an incredible um, phenomenon to witness. So I'm really really glad to hear that. Um, that being said, I'm curious about what some of the challenges that you face in your work are and whether that's you as an individual or what are what some of the challenges that refugee faces. Uh, thank you. Um, one of the, the things that we, we appreciate um, also from the mission and the vision of refugee is that um, the population we are working with and the population we are serving is a very vulnerable uh, population that is um, uh, young refugee women and, um, and, and children and uh, in, in a vulnerability in the sense that um, uh, these are children and uh, women who have gone through not very good um, experiences. They are young children who are unaccompanied minors. And when you're talking of unaccompanied minors, these are children who have lost their parents, who have lost their, um, uh, their relatives along the way as they were, fly, as they were uh, running from, the, from their countries of, um, of origin. So this is a group of uh, young people who have gone through a lot of traumatic experiences. So what happens when we are interacting with them as an individual is that uh, for them to go through that healing process, they have to share their story. They have to tell somebody their story. And their story is not music to your ears. Their story is uh, a, a harrowing experience they have gone through. So I, as a human being, when I'm listening to another person who has gone through not very good experience, you get to get sucked into that trauma. You start relating with with that person, and uh, it's it's draining emotionally, and um, it can also make you start questioning some things. Why does this happen to to this person, or why does this happen to to people? Because um, personally, I grew up in a family. My parents are still alive, but you're here working with a with a young girl who probably uh, saw their parents uh, being killed. So for you to be able to take that girl uh, through the healing process, it is uh, definitely a challenge. But I'm grateful to to refugee because um, um, my organization takes uh, the aspect of staff self care and healing very, very seriously such that um, uh, as we encounter, as I encounter this stress, then I have another avenue uh, to just to try and go reflect back uh, and, and, and probably uh, share what I feel and I have a counselor or somebody else who is supporting me. Uh, in addition to that, as an organization, we know very well that um, uh, globally, um, uh, 
resettlement opportunities are going down and down with the refugees and with our beneficiaries that we serve. Their hope is not to go back to the countries where they are coming from, where they had high rowing experiences. Their hope is always to go to another country that would, would support them, another country that would help them rebuild their lives. And in most cases, they look forward to going to the developing countries, not developing countries, sorry, to the developed countries, the United States of America, uh, uh, Britain, Australia, those countries where they are able to go and seek a refuge. So for most of them, when they are in Kenya, to them, it is a transition. Um, but it's a challenge to the organization, given that that resettlement space, because uh, we know refugees this crisis is not just facing Africa alone. We know what is happening in the in Syria. We know what is happening in um, some of the Middle East countries. So uh, that competition, that need to resettle um, refugees is not only a crisis for uh, uh, ref, uh, people who have been displaced in African countries. There are also those other countries where where there's a refugee crisis. So the space is going down. So when the space is going down, then we are left with this population uh, that um, that uh, that probably uh, we have to try and look for homegrown solutions where they can be able to integrate with the communities that are hosting them, for example, as here in Nairobi. And uh, for them to, to integrate with the communities, it would mean that uh, they have to generate income that would be able to sustain them. As an organization, we have to try as much as we can to keep up with the um, uh, with that challenge, you have a space that is closing. How do you come? Um, uh, how do you uh, get to have um, uh, homegrown uh, uh, solutions? And um, uh, that is uh, definitely a challenge. And I think, um, as far as um, an organization like Refugee uh, is concerned, that is working with um, with a migratory population, uh, definitely it is a challenge for us as, as an organization. I am now convinced that. You are all doing some of the most important work, honestly, in the world. So, wow. Um, first, just to hear this idea that of not not shying away from working through the trauma with these young girls is really... I, I definitely am really moved by that, and I hope that listeners are too. It just... It's, it's, it's really... Yeah, it just sits on you <laughs> in a very real way, and... And I feel really called to say thank you for doing that work. Um, and and yeah, the resettlement crisis across the world, as globalization happens, right, we'd think that there are more opportunities, there are more places for people to move, or, or it's now easier to cross borders. But it seems that particularly with sort of the evolving global structure, the evolving order of the world, that folks are calling to close borders. Folks are calling to reject immigrants, reject refugees. So again, I just, I, I feel like the work that you are doing is just so deeply, deeply important. And I guess I'm curious about also what, what you are most proud of in your work, knowing that it is so important and all of the wonderful things that you have already accomplished. What what are you most proud of? Okay, I, as I started earlier on, um, I mentioned to you that um, I've seen uh, this organization that I'm working uh, for and I'm passionate about uh, grow its uh, portfolio, uh, that is donor portfolio and um, financial portfolio uh, more than four times. So I've been part of 
that team that has driven the organization's um, uh, growth and uh, that definitely I'm, I'm proud of as an individual. And also, um, uh, in addition uh, to that, I think I'm also uh, proud of um, what comes out of the challenges we are talking about. The girls who have passed through our hands uh, out there uh, leading, leading their own lives because this this is an organization that has been in existence uh, for uh, for 10 years. So we have uh, girls who have uh, gone through our programs and they have been uh, resettled in other countries and they are able to support themselves. We also have, have girls in our program who have been able to go back to the community much as they didn't get the opportunity to get uh, resettled through the skills that we have imparted on them and especially so... Uh, uh, tailoring techniques. We have girls who are already uh, generating uh, some money. Uh, they are able to sustain themselves through uh, making uh, dresses for for women. And uh, particularly, I I have a girl who makes my African um, African dresses. So uh, that is definitely uh, the thing that I'm I, I'm proud of. And um, I'm also proud of the fact that every morning when I come to work, I draw down a checklist of what I need to accomplish. And at the end of the day, I take what I've done. And um, I'm, I'm not blowing my trumpet, but I'm, I'm one kind of an individual when I leave the uh, the office in the in the evening, I say I'm, I'm grateful for what I've been able to I'm able to achieve. So I'm imagining that a number of people listening to this are like me, really inspired and really want to get involved or really want to support the work that you're doing. Um, if what what can people do? How can people how can people get involved and, and support you? Okay, for people to support us, um, of course, uh, we've been given giving opportunities to volunteer because. Um, um, Trying to look at the holistic, our holistic model, there's so much uh, young people out there can contribute towards uh, those that are in the university and would like to have internship uh, placements. Uh, we have a need for uh, qualified uh, case workers who can come and um, and, and volunteer uh, with us, either as interns or as um, as uh, uh, volunteers. Uh, in addition to that, of course, um, our organization is running through uh, donations and uh, funds from uh, from other donors. It's possible for interested uh, persons to support us through their individual donations. And just to tell you that um, it costs us less than $60 uh, to support a girl in a week. And I want to believe somebody somewhere sits to, to, to take a meal of, of $60 at a go. If one forgo a meal one day and sends that to to refugee, it would make a whole lot of um, a whole lot of uh, difference. Uh, so we also have um, our products that are generated by the girls, uh, uh, the artisan collective. We have um, our products that are being sold um, uh, online, and um, I would encourage uh, the listeners to visit our website. That is www. Uh, dot org refugee is r e f u and then she 
uh, org. Once they visit our website, they will be able to read more about the organization. And also, they, they, they can also be able to support us as uh, individual donors. They can come to us as uh, volunteers, or they can refer us to other organizations that are supporting uh, organizations that are re- running missions like ours. And I'll make sure that we have a link to your website as well. And so my final question for you is, so Women in Foreign Policy is a community oriented towards helping young women navigate their careers in the field of international relations and development and foreign policy. I'm wondering what advice you would give young women listening to this podcast um, who are interested in careers in development um, and knowing that our listeners Um, people are listening from all over the world. Some are, I'm in the United States, some are here, some in Europe, some in Asia and Africa, um, folks listening from all over the place. What advice would you give? Um, development is broad and, um, uh, there are different organizations that are, uh, that are not for profit that are doing, uh, that are doing, uh, different kind of interventions in the development sector. So what I would advise uh, young women is that, um, one, be driven by by, by passion and also uh, to make a difference, change somebody's life. That is a very important, uh, uh, that is a very important drive because working in development sector can also be be challenging. But if you're driven by by passion, then um, that helps you overcome some of the things that you encounter and demotivate you or bring you down as a, as an individual. The other thing I would encourage is that um, it is important for them to start early in in their career. Uh, once they start early in their career, it will be uh, very easy to succeed in the development sector. If you you feel you need to grow your career in the uh, development sector, then look for organizations that are serving, uh, have a mission that aligns to your uh, to your interest. Because one thing I believe in is that um, any career can, uh, any course or any career can drive can drive you to an organization in the development um, in the development sector. For example, somebody can study as a doctor but end up uh, working with uh, organizations like uh, Medicines Sans Frontiers, uh, Doctors Without uh, Borders, not necessarily to go and work in a, uh, to go and work in private hospitals. Organizations in the development uh, sector that um, are probably are intervening towards um, uh, water sanitation and health, they are looking for uh, engineers. You can be a water engineer, you can be engineer in something that uh, definitely out there you would find an organization in the development sector uh, that is actually undertaking an intervention uh, that is within the career uh, uh, that you, you, you've chosen. I trained as an accountant and I'm working in an organization uh, that serves young refugee women. Why? Because I already uh, created my path. And why I'm saying this is that um, sometimes I, I encounter uh, staff or probably people who maybe move from the, uh, from the profit sector and they say, I want to venture in um, in in the non-profit sector, but when they come and 
uh, and try to fit in it be really, really becomes a challenge because one, there is a way a profit-driven organization runs its businesses. There is a way a not-for-profit organization uh, drives its, um, its businesses. Not to say that um, uh, not-for-profit organization do not need to generate uh, re additional revenues that would help them uh, promote uh, uh, promote their cause. Uh, doing an income generating initiative in a not-for-profit organization is different from a not-for-profit organization driven by profits. So I would advise our young girls out there to be driven by passion and second, uh, determine your path uh, early in the career. Which uh, sector do you want to, or industry do you want to go for? If you say you want to go for to the development sector, whatever career you would be pursuing, it would drive you to uh, to the development sector, and um, uh, and 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 the returns, the, the returns have are fulfilling. That is so helpful. I. Yeah, I will take that advice <laughs> for myself. <laughs> um, thank you so much for taking time to speak with us today and to share so much about yourself and, and the incredible work that you and Refugee do. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you, too. Thanks to Fidelis for making time to speak with us. And thanks to you for listening to this special episode. Please check back in next week for this month's awesome episode on women who have chosen to work with refugees and the incredible wisdom they have to share. You can find out more about the work Refugee does at refugee.org. That's R-E-F-U-S-H-E dot org. Women in Foreign Policy is on Twitter at Women in FP. If you're looking to connect with myself or Annika, we're also both on Twitter at at Ashley underscore E underscore Pratt and at Annika EP, respectively. We would love to know what you think of the episodes. Are there women you'd like to suggest we do an interview with? We'd love to hear from you. Are you a woman working in foreign policy that thinks your job or your research is super interesting? We probably do too. We'd love to speak to you about it. Finally, if you like the work we're doing, please consider supporting us via PayPal at lmgoulet, spelled L-M-G-O-U-L-E-T, or on Patreon at Women in Foreign Policy. Thank you so much for listening and check back in on August 30th for this month's episode on working with refugees. See you next week.